Today's podcast is sponsored by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you, so you can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and many more, and you can make money from your podcasts. It's everything you need to do to make a podcast in one place. So if you're interested, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Inspiring Growth, where we inspire growth with leaders and their organization. I'm Mark P. Fisher, your host. And today, joining me as a co-host is our oldest son, Austin P. Fisher. Welcome, Austin, to the podcast. Hello, world. It is a pleasure to be here. So Alyssa Wilkinson, who was our podcast co-host, had a dream, and the dream came true. She became a full-time member of the Journey Church in Newark, Delaware, overseeing their uh, connections and their small groups. And so she had to say goodbye to the podcast. Uh, we will miss her. She brought a great cheer and laughter to the podcast, and, and we're grateful for what she did. So Austin is now the executive producer and co-host of the podcast. So Austin, tell us one of your favorite memories of childhood of how I used to torture you. Thank you, Mark. Dan, what do you prefer? Uh, we're gonna have to figure that out. We're gonna have to figure this out. Well, uh, so one of my favorite memories uh, growing up uh, is a story lovingly referred to as the Red Raspberry Jam. Oh boy! When I was a young child, uh, the Fisher family was blessed one Christmas to get season passes to Knott's Berry Farm. Knott's Berry Farm is basically like the Kmart is to Walmart of Southern California. Disneyland, <laughs> Disneyland holds the mountaintop hold on spectacular experiences for families with the Disney theme. Knott's Berry Farm, it's a bunch of knockoffs, but tons of fun roller coasters, etc. Now, Knott's Berry Farm started as a actual berry farm, and they That's have right. these fabulous jams and jellies. And growing up, it was one of our favorites. And so one day, Mark P. Fisher notices that his red raspberry jam that's been in the fridge that he buys almost weekly is continually depleting long before he's had his fill. And he realizes that all of his children love it just as much as him, which is a problem because according to my father, we don't know how to appreciate and properly enjoy the red raspberry jam. And so one day Mark makes a proclamation to the Fisher house. He says, all right, that's it. No more. No more red raspberry jam for you guys. You don't know how to understand and appreciate it. This, this, is, so only, this is only my food. And I remember we all just kind of looked at each other like, well, hmm. you know, we, we didn't see this coming, but okay. And so for weeks in the fridge, there was a single jar of red raspberry jam that we knew every morning when we came to get breakfast, we weren't allowed to touch it. There comes a time in everyone's life when they, grow old enough to look back and reflect on those moments and be able to understand them a little better. Because over time, my dad was able to relinquish his control in the red raspberry jam. He took a step back and recognized, you know what? There's something at work here inside of me that I don't quite fully understand, but my initial reaction is to pull back. I got mine, you can get yours. I don't know how, but this is mine, okay? <laughs> and so as I grew older, recognize 
there are times in my life where I want to hold on to my red raspberry jam because no one else knows how to understand it. They don't understand. They don't love it like I do. This is mine. But the things that you love are, should be a trampoline. You invite people on them. You invite them to enjoy it with you. And, and enjoying it with someone else, other people, you maybe enjoy that thing more. That's I, a long story. We can, we can that was long. I, and what's funny is I remember we were preparing to go on this trip to Jamaica to help uh, Christian camps in Jamaica. And one of the things we decided to memorize was this idea. Uh, I think it was from uh, the book of Philippians. It says, do nothing from selfishness. And I thought that red, red raspberry jam declaration is so selfish. I need, I need to figure out a way to unwind that thing. So, well, <clears throat> sure enough, torture to my children, all five of them. All right. Well, I am grateful that Austin's joined us. And Austin, thanks for uh, being a part of the podcast. Uh, podcast number two, Austin actually edited and it was, uh, it was fabulous. So. Let's jump into our, uh, into our podcast interview. Before you do that, why don't you tell our listeners who we're sponsored by today? Today's podcast is sponsored by the Same Kind Foundation. The Same Kind Foundation is the 911 for those experiencing homelessness and the agencies that serve them. If you're looking for a way to raise money for your nonprofit, consider inviting Ron Hall to be your keynote speaker author of the New York Times best-selling book and Paramount movie, Same Kind of Different as Me. When Ron Hall shares his incredible true story, people respond generously. And I've heard it over and over, and it's amazing. On average, Ron raises between $200,000 and $300,000 per evening for each nonprofit. So if you're interested in inviting Ron Hall to be your keynote speaker, go to samekindfoundation.org. Click on the tab, Invite Ron to your city. That's samekindfoundation.org. And while you're on the Same Kind Foundation website, check out the blog, Seven Practical Ways You Can Help Someone Experiencing Homelessness. We're grateful for the Same Kind Foundation sponsoring the Inspiring Growth Podcast. Yeah, so a few months ago, you were interviewed by the UCYC Podcast. Now, I want you to tell us a little bit about who UCYC is, your relationship to the organization, and a little bit about what you guys talked about. Well, UCYC stands for United Christian Youth Camp, and they're in Prescott, Arizona. Uh, and Brendan and Derek, who are on staff at UCYC, had invited me to come in and be interviewed. And part of the reason why is uh, about four years ago, the president, of UCYC asked me if I would help inspire growth with him as a leader and also their organization. And so for several years, I got to work with UCYC and their staff and they said, hey, come in and talk about what happened to you and what happened to us. And that's what this interview is about. Great. Well, let's jump right into it. Here we go. Right on, right on. All right. Well, welcome. We are sitting here with Mark Fisher. Uh, it's been awesome to get to know Mark the last couple of years that I've been here at UCYC. Mark serves as kind of the point man on telling uh, UCYC's story, sharing who we are uh, and how God's been transforming lives here. And also uh, he leads a company called Inspiring Growth. But uh, as I've gotten to know Mark and Brendan and I have chatted with him, it's so much more than just that. Uh, it's really a story 
um, and powerful things are happening through it. So, Mark, start off by just telling us a little bit about uh, inspiring growth. Well, it's good to be with you guys. And uh, having had the opportunity, oh, I don't know, I got to know Greg Mangarelli, the executive director at UCYC, 20 years ago. And he, he and I have been friends. But it was about three and a half years ago that Greg after I had some medical and health issues, gave me a call and asked me if I would come alongside and start to be a part of their team. And and as I got more involved in the mission of UCYC and seeing you guys grow and Greg grow and the camp grow, just inadvertently, Greg said to me last year, man, Mark, you really inspire growth in me as a leader, as well as our organization. Mm -hmm. And like, the week before, another one of my clients said the same thing, and I realized, huh, 28 years in the hospitality industry, now I'm on my own. I'm trying to tell my own story, and I realized it appears that there was a divine plan that set me up on all kinds of these bizarre examples of struggle and growth, that what gives me the most life is that I get to inspire growth with leaders and their organization. And I emphasize with I don't do it for them. I do it with them. And that's, I think, what is the most life-giving for me and for them. Yeah, I love that, Mark. And we definitely uh, are a product and we're grateful for the growth that you inspire in us personally. Uh, for me, in our conversations that we've had over the last, uh, how long have we known Couple each other? Years, Two yeah. years, three yeah. years? Uh, what's been just super helpful for me is the idea of expanding the options, right? There's not always you know, one, one option, that's it. the right option. Uh, tell me, tell me a little bit about that and how you've seen the value of, you know, expanding options work through inspiring growth through yeah. organizations that you've worked with. I, I think the root of that is something that was born in me when I was young and I thought I would be a journalist. Mm. I was, I was, I was watching the wild, wild, uh, wide world of sports. Jim McKay was the announcer. It was the Olympics. I this was seventies, right? Sure. And I was like, I want to be that guy. <laughs> How do I be this announcer for the Olympics? Mm -hmm. And so I started pursuing. What does it mean to be a broadcaster, an announcer, a journalist? And what a, a professor, a teacher of mine in high school did is he says, I want you to go out and interview people who are in that field and come back and give a report on it. And what I learned is those people have a certain trait that I so resonated with. And the trait was curiosity. Hmm. Curiosity. You know, we've heard it said that curiosity kills the cat. <laughs> I, I say it this way. Curiosity may have killed the cat, but it fuels the lion. Oh, I love that. Right? The, the lion is the king of the jungle. And so I think when I look at options and I look at things, I love to ask questions. Yeah. Because questions... Have you ever noticed if someone tells you something, hey, Brendan, you should blank. Yeah. It, what does that create in you? Uh, instant defense. Absolutely. Depending on the person it's coming from, of course. But. Yeah. I mean, if it's your wife, it still could be defensive. Yeah. But if someone engages you with a question, it creates relationship. Mm -hmm. You should. Resistance, defense. Hey, wh what if we looked at it this way? And I've noticed that when curiosity is is fanned, relationships are grown and ideas grow. Mm. That that raises a question for me, 
right away and i i love that i'm totally stealing the the cat and lion <laughs> quote yeah. um i i was so cool when i said that for the first time uh <laughs> so one thing i really admire and i've seen this uh in other leaders i respect is trying to do that over the long run mm-hmm. staying curious um you know i've been leading for about seven years and i've found it like oh man how am i going to help this person through question self i'm just going to tell them what to do what have you seen that helps you stay motivated after 10 years, 20 years, coming on, it sounds like 30 years to stay curious in developing people and, and solutions? Wow. So crazy. This week, uh, a colleague of our, Joe Ziz, quoted the founder of Alibaba. And Alibaba said uh, something to the effect of, you know that you are no longer an entrepreneur. Uh, here's what he said. Entrepreneurs who lose their curiosity might want to retire from entrepreneurship. <laughs> and so, so I, I, I would just rephrase it and say leaders who lose their curiosity might want to retire from leadership. And I just don't want to retire. Mm-hmm. I think that's what just keeps me going. Plus, the other thing is, is I find people interesting. Mm-hmm. Like as I've gotten to know you, Derek and Brennan, I find your story really interesting. I, I, I'm just... Like, tell me more. How did you get to that place? Tell me about that girl you're dating. Oh, how did you meet? Like, it's just interesting to me. Yeah. And when people... I think one of the things that's happened to me is I've realized that when someone shares a part of their story, it's a gift. Like, it's a sacred space. Mm-hmm. Um, last night, I got to sit with a young couple. And I'd never sat with them before. And they brought their little two-year-old to dinner, and I was getting to know them. And as I asked them questions about their story, I genuinely cared and was so enamored by the story and the intersection and the craziness and the redemption and the relational connection. I just, I felt like I was watching a movie. Hmm. I mean, I literally had to shake my head and I said, um, thank you. Like, that was a mm. gift that you gave me. Yeah. And... uh I got a little emotional and I was like, okay, can we just, can you just start asking me questions? Because I'm just, I'll stay here all night. <laughs> and, and they did. I can assure you, they just, they warmed me up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I remember a, a moment when I think you, Derek, and I were going out to lunch uh, a few months ago and uh, Derek asks you, hey, Mark, tell, tell me a little bit about where you live. And you paint this beautiful picture of, you know, you walking out to a lake and that's where you go every morning. And uh, river lake something along river, those lines yeah. but the elk river um, in maryland yeah. yeah beautiful beautiful picture so again i think that uh just the image of story uh it definitely shines through you in the way that uh you help encourage people so kind of going off of that that idea of story tell me a little bit about a time uh we all love turnaround stories right we love 180s yeah. where organizations go from from failing to growing or a personal story uh, of that sort. Uh, tell me a little bit about a time where you were, were able to work with an organization or a person to really help turn around um, their trajectory. Well, can I start with just my story and then build Absolutely. it out? Yes. Yeah. So I was the I was the president of Sandy Cove Ministries on the headwaters of the Chesapeake Bay. Mm-hmm. $8 million nonprofit. Our mission was to help people connect with God and each other in order to be conformed to the image of Christ. And we did it with three tools, his word, creation, and community. And I got to serve in that place, but 
What I didn't do very well over those eight years is I didn't carry the stress very well. And so literally, in the first four years of my eight-year time, I had five stomach surgeries. Oh, wow. Wow. And yeah, it was a wow. You can say that backwards because it was always <laughs> like everybody was like, oh, Mark's in the hospital again. And uh, it was it was hard and it left me with chronic pain in my abdomen. And uh, back in 2013, I was so discouraged at pain medicines and doctors and all this kind of stuff. And um, we were working on this organizational turnaround. And we went from like in the five millions to the eight millions. And, and I can tell you lots of stories of life transformation in both the guests and the leaders. But what was happening to me is I was dying. Mm-hmm. And it got to the point where I was so discouraged by my physical limitations and the medicines that I had to take. And I started seeing my reactions be terrible. And. I just was desperate, and I I said to my pain management doctor, will you help me both get off my meds and deal with my pain? And he goes, yeah, we have a procedure. It's a medical procedure where it's called a spinal cord stimulator. We're going to put it up your back, and it's going to have this battery pack on the outside of your belt for seven days, and it's a test. If it works, we'll implant it into your body. So I did all this research, eight months, you know, and I... It was September 2013, and he did the procedure. He put that thing up my spine, and the way it worked was it set off a shock that blocked the pain in my abdomen. So it didn't mm. it didn't heal me. It was just going to block the pain so that I could wean off meds and I could deal with it. Now, here's the thing. Pain made me so myopic and so self-focused that it was hard for me to lead. Mm. Lead my team, lead the turnaround, and so I felt like I was starting to take the eye off my bo- my eye off the ball of of our growth and our leadership and our turnaround. So I went in. I had the procedure, and I got to tell you, for 15 minutes, guys, it was awesome. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my gosh, this feels so good!" And then all of a sudden, bam! It was as if someone had just poured acid into my blood veins, and the pain was excruciating. I started screaming like a middle school girl. I mean, I was freaking out mm. doctor comes running in what's going on I, I i was in pain and what happened is he had and he's a good doctor according to him he had never done this before but he accidentally cut a blood vessel in my spine wow so i was bleeding out and on the way to the hospital i lost all feeling from my waist down and it was a it was my the doctor told my wife if he doesn't get this repaired this could be permanent now it wasn't permanent because a doctor thank god neurosurgeon went in repaired it opened up my spine and i walked today it wasn't that i had stopped walking i was on a path toward paralysis thank god that never really fully developed but it threw me out of whack wow yeah and so after, it took three months for the um, initial recovery for me to take on all this pain meds. And in December 2013, the board of directors of Sandy Cove asked the absolute right question of me. Do you think you can get back on the horse? And I don't know about you, but have you ever been in a situation where you knew the next 
answer to the next question, that question was going to change the trajectory of your life. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Right? And I said, no. And they were like, what? And so they said, give us 24 hours. Let us pray about it. And so they did. And they came back and they said, Mark, we love you. We love what you've done. The turnaround here has been encouraging. We're mission-focused. More people are here. But here's the severance. We want you to go get healthy. Mm. Now, any youth pastor, ministry leader, church leader who's listening to me now knows that there are moments where in your contribution to your ministry or organization, you feel like you are being consumed, and then you're kicked to the curb. Mm -hmm. You did it, you're done. Or you did it, and you made a mistake, and you're done. Or you did it, and you're not doing it anymore, you're done. The board of directors of Sandy Cove did something that's not normal in the nonprofit and church world, and they said, we love you, we care about you, we... Here's we want you to get healthy. Mm -hmm. They even gave me, uh, helped me hook hook me up with a career coach for me to figure out what to do next. Oh wow! Took care of my medical and took it like it was amazing transition. That began a personal journey that required an enormous amount of energy that I did not have, and so I sat home for months, staring at a wall pretty sure I wanted to kill myself because I didn't think I had anything left in me. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting there staring at the wall and my wife came home. We'll celebrate 30 years next month with five kids, two grandkids. And I said, I think I'm going to go on disability. And she said, um, oh, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> this is a beautiful redheaded Texas-born woman. She's... She's like, we've seen people go on disability and their life goes downhill. Mm -hmm. God's given you a lot of experiences. You've got a lot to offer. Get back on it and do it. And I was like, yeah, right. It's easy for <laughs> you to say. Unfortunately, because of the, so much of the medicine that I was on, it was January and she came to me and she said, uh, you got to figure this out. And, um, and I got a phone call. Was from Greg Mangrilla. Mm. He goes, Fish, what are you doing? I heard you have the health issues. I was like, Yeah, I do. And uh, I told him my story. And he goes, I'm looking for a new person to oversee stories and marketing and stuff like that. Can you help me hire somebody? And I said, Sure. And then I get a phone call from a buddy of mine who was in Christian camping in the association. He goes, Fish, I heard you've been ill. What's going on? So, yeah. And I told him, He goes, did you ever read that book I gave you called Same Kind of Different as Me? I said, yeah, it changed the trajectory of how I look at homelessness. He goes, I'm now the president of the Association of Gospel Rescue Missions. Would you be willing to help 300 homeless shelters across the country? I was like, if I could do it from my couch. <laughs> he goes, I'll, and pretty soon God was providing these when I was completely at the lowest struggle of my professional career People came, they heard my story, they saw an opportunity, and Inspiring Growth was born in a way that was could not have strategically planned it. Hmm. I just was aware. I listened to my wife. I started trying to help people, and that's that's my own personal turnaround. <laughs> yeah. So if you'd like me to give you an organizational turnaround, mm -hmm. I'll tell you about UCYC. <laughs> <laughs> hey, before, before you talk about UCYC, there's a really good nugget in there. Um, 
so it sounds like you're down and out and and it's this really difficult season and then here's how i'm hearing it god says i'm not done with you mark you're still you're still here weirdly his voice sounded like my wife <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah more like yeah you're not done with this <laughs> funny how that works sometimes yeah yeah so just just mention briefly on this difficult seasons come to everyone in ministry um everyone in life God says, I'm not done, opens up opportunities. What is your response? God's doing his part. What is the part of the person receiving that? Good question. Um, so I think, I think in, in my life and in the, and the people I've been involved in, it looks like being stuck in, in a place that you can't see the next thing. You are struggling. I was struggling. I didn't know what was next. I I've seen leaders stuck and not knowing. And there's a there's a um, really inspiring quote by Bob Goff. Bob wrote the book Love Does, and he says embrace uncertainty because you may not know the title of the chapter you're in until afterwards. Mm. And I resonate with that. Because yeah. I want to be able to name it now. <laughs> I want to tell you what my title is, what my business is, what my plan is. Yeah. I'm a leader. That's where we go. Well, that's what we do. And yeah. so sitting in the struggle and the uncertainty actually is a growing place if we can sit with it and we can allow it to be uncertain. Because what I've found is, especially in our tribe, of the evangelical Christian community, certainty seems to have a high premium, even if it's false certainty. Mm. And I, 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 I struggle with that as a human, as a, as a husband and a father. I don't, I can't, I don't know everything. It's not certain for me. So, embrace the uncertainty a little bit. Let the struggle happen. Yeah. Walk with some people. Don't do it alone. Do not do it alone. Whatever you do. That's great. Um, so I want to go back to to UCYC and your sure. relationship here also. Um, you know, a few years ago, you, you told us about the conversation you had with Greg. Hey, help us hire, you know, that next person. Right. Well, obviously, that didn't quite happen because you're here three yeah. or four years later. Yeah. Uh, tell us, yeah, tell us about that journey. Well, when he asked me about that, he was like, can you help me find somebody? So I gave him a proposal. I put a price tag on it and I said, I'll help you find somebody. So he looks at the price tag and goes, oh, gosh, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, it is. Think about what you're going to get in this person. Think about the fact that if we hire the right person, what it's going to mean to the organization. And he was like, yeah, let me think about it. So then he calls me back and goes, Fish, why don't you just do it? <laughs> why don't you just let us Love be? It. Let you, we'll be one of your clients. We know that you have a, you know, a business. Figure out how to do it. And so in essence, my business model is, you know, I'll work with three or four people at organizations at a time. Because I essentially become their VP of sales and marketing and fundraising in, embedded in the organization, even though I live in Maryland. Yeah. And so that's what how our relationship started. And the, one of the reasons why I knew it was going to be wildly and ridiculously crazy, and I didn't want to say successful because I didn't know that, was um, who Greg was surrounding himself with. Mm-hmm. I learned this bizarre lesson when I was the president at Sandy Cove, and I was looking for a development director, a fundraising person. 
and an older woman who had just retired after founding and running an, a crisis pregnancy center came to me and said, I think I got a few more good years in my life, um, but I don't want to be in charge. And I know what it's like to be at the top, and I know what it's like to run an organization. I know what it's like to report to a board. If you allow me, I'll help you raise money. But rest assured, I don't want your job. <laughs> and that insight about surrounding you, a leader surrounding themselves with skilled and and, and experienced people who don't want your job mm. creates this amazing synergy within an organization. So when I said yes and I started working with Greg and I saw the people he was surrounding himself with, I began to realize, hey, the ideas I'm going to bring to the table are not going to be uh, resisted with, well, we haven't done that before. Hmm. Instead, we have someone who's now the director, of, vice president of, of operations who says, well, why can't we do that? Well, he used to be Greg's position in another place. So when we started bringing the ideas to the table and he and the team started implementing them and trying them, and by the way, the four-letter word that usually is the cuss word that the the environment at UCYC has embraced and I think has made a huge difference is T-E-S-T. Hmm. Well, we've never done it. Like, well, can we test it for a couple months and see what happens? Let's be pragmatists. We don't have to be tied to the bat past. Let's just test it. That single attitude in UCYC is why we have grown 61% in a 12-month period. Hmm. Well, yeah, let's test it. Let's try it. We talk about turnaround. It starts there. That's incredible, and I know that probably Derek and I share this as well. Test has become a part of our common vocabulary and really a cultural distinctive, I'd say, of where we get to work, which is incredible in this yep. place. Um, I was listening to a podcast or reading a book, and they are talking about uh, this idea of testing, and they used Starbucks as an example, right, because they uh, were in the music business, and then they weren't anymore. They tested it, didn't work. But I hadn't then they heard were that in the, story. What's that? I hadn't heard that story. Oh, yeah, let's, let's chat about that at some point. Uh, you know, they were in the serving alcohol at night business for a while, and then they stopped doing that because it didn't work. But all of these tests, you know, they didn't see a decrease in business throughout these, you know, they, they listed four or five major tests. So I do love that, uh, again, you, uh, I feel like the spirit was here, but you really helped us tap into the spirit of, man, let's test it. Yeah, and let's, let's measure it. Mm, yep, sure. Let's set, let's, let's set a target on the wall like a, a good dart game. Mm-hmm. And throw some things at it and see what what sticks. Yeah. And then measure. And then, for heaven's sakes, let's celebrate. Mm. I mean, my motto is have fun, but get it done. <laughs> sure. I love that. Um, I want to I want to zoom in on that. Measure it. I called you two weeks ago to talk to you about something on our team about hey, how do we how do we basically continue to be faithful to what God's given us and push things to the next level. So this is a current storyline. Maybe we'll, we'll chat on the podcast in a year and we'll be like, that didn't work. <laughs> yeah, that worked. <laughs> um, yeah. But you shared, you shared a really simple piece of wisdom that I've shared with, with some of the guys that are sitting around uh, our team and, and it's on uh, keys to pushing things to the next level. Um, and for someone who's like, Hey, what are the nuts and bolts of doing that? What is some of that wisdom you shared with me? Gosh, I forgot. Well, fear not. So, uh, 
That'd be funny if I forgot to. Yeah, it would be funny. <laughs> hey, please share it because I forgot to write it down tonight. It was really good. No, I'm just kidding. Dang. Uh, you shared about, hey, here's the simplest way I've seen to push teams to the next level. And you talked about setting goals, measuring goals. Yeah. Um, expand on that a little bit. That that's, that's the baseline. Well, think about it. I mean, the Philadelphia Eagles just won the Super Bowl. What was their goal? Win the Super Bowl. Win the Super Bowl. How did they measure it? More touchdowns, more points. Everybody on the team knew, we want to win this. We know we have to score this. And I think what happens in organizations is those get fuzzy. And sports teams help us. Like, okay, it's third and 18. We know how to measure it. We know how much time we have. We know how many resources we have. If we can bring that spirit into an organizational growth spurt and we say, okay, what do we want to do? I know at UCYC, by 2020, we want to see 30,000 stories of transformation. That's where we're heading. But we got to break that down. And I, I think when we just, when people say, what's the magic sauce? Set a goal, measure it. <clears throat> but don't forget to celebrate. Yeah. Don't forget to celebrate. And when it's not working, have what I call an autopsy without judgment. Let's just pause and go, okay, we tried something. Okay, we're not going to blame. We're going to own. So what happened? What can we learn? What are we going to do different? Mm -hmm. I think that's healthy and helpful in organizational and personal growth. Mm -hmm. That's huge. I love the sports analogy. You know, the, uh, <clears throat> the role of the coach, right, is not only to make sure that the, the goal is clear, right, but to set those benchmarks of, Man, here's here's some small stuff to celebrate. Yeah. The role of the, the leaders. The Donald Milton Miller says it really well. When you confuse, you lose. Sure. Sure. It's that simple. So how do you think, I, I'm thinking of um, a youth pastor who's listening in or a family ministries pastor, and he uh, is feeling maybe bombarded on all sides or his, his email inbox is full, his meeting calendar is full, and he wants to push things to the next level. Uh, what coaching do you give to kind of cut through all that and, and start making progress? Well, first of all, fellow youth pastor, may I say, I, I started in youth ministry. I had a youth pastor that came alongside me in high school and gave me a vision of what it meant to be a Christ follower that included fun. Yes. So I pursued that path. You know, I, I went to Bible school. I studied communications, but being in being a youth leader, a volunteer youth leader, and I wasn't a paid gig, <clears throat> I, I understand what it means to juggle. So I would say this. Um, you're not alone. And set two or three goals that you can achieve and measure for the next 30, 60, and 90 days. And bring your team in and ask them to help you set achieve those goals. And then... Talk about some, some reward you're going to get from that. Like, if we hit that thing in 90 days, pff, we are going for a party. <laughs> and, you know, I love to say, I'll raise a glass to that. Man, cheers to that. Whatever it is, make it a party. For me, when I, was in youth, when I was in youth ministry, it was like going and playing video games. Like, that was a reward. <laughs> yep. Like, and I would go, and I'd grab a couple students, and I'd say, hey, let's go hang out and play. But, honestly, I loved playing the video so <laughs> i love that well mark thank you so much for uh sharing your stories with us for the openness and 
uh, for encouraging anyone listening here, youth pastor or not. Um, I appreciate the insight, and I know that uh, if they get half of as, as much of value as we have in mm. in communicating you. with you, uh, they're going to be better off for it. So I do appreciate that. You're welcome, and thank you for allowing me in this space. Awesome. Thanks, Mark. We'll talk to you soon. That concludes the interview with Mark P. Fisher and the UCYC crew over at the UCYC podcast. Uh, Dad, now that it's been a few months since that particular interview, is there anything that you took away from it that you, know, you kind of stuck with you? Because part of it, a large portion of it, is telling your story. Yeah. But at the same time, what did you get out of that interaction? Well, I, I love how curiosity has been planted in these young leaders' lives. It's become evident to me just by the way they explore, the way they test, the way they try things. Uh, we introduced a phrase called autopsy without judgment. So after we did a, an initiative and marketed it and, and everything happened and it ended, we went back and we looked at it and said, okay, what, what worked and what didn't work? And I, I just love that about this team of, of young leaders at UCYC. Well, there's something that definitely stuck out to me was your particular phrase, curiosity may have killed the cat, but it fuels the lion. At first I thought, ah, yeah, I really like this. But then after a second, I thought, I don't know if I understand this. So tell me, maybe just unpack that a little bit. Well, when, when I first came up with that phrase, I was, I was asked to speak at an event and I was trying to figure out a way to find that moniker where people are so so used to talking about and and the thought curiosity kills the cat and i looked up the origin of it but i realized that leaders are like lions you know they're the king of the jungle now everybody leads differently but i think a good leader is a leader that doesn't have all the answers i think a good leader is the kind of person that has a lot of questions asks a lot of questions i, I remember when i was a young man in my late 20s i was uh, the I was working at a news talk radio station in Washington, D.C. And it was just as mobile phones were coming out. And I remember um, Motorola was uh, big in mobile phones. You know, these are the two, $3,000 phones that sit inside your car with an antenna sticking out of the, the car. And I, I wanted to get this account on our radio station. And so I called their ad agency up and I said, hey, do you guys want to advertise on, you know, our news talk radio station, they said, you're too small. You have too small of an audience. We're not going to spend money with you. And I was curious to find out, well, now who is making this decision? Is it Motorola or is it the ad agency? And I found out the ad agency only looked at numbers. They didn't look at results. And so I started asking around. I started asking questions and I found, um, I went to my team and I said, how can we convince Motorola? to buy our station in advertising. And we came up with this idea, why don't we go on the air and say, are you thinking about getting a mobile phone for your car? Call WNTR radio station in the next four, you know, 14 minutes and we will get your information and introduce you to a special mobile phone uh, offer. So we captured thousands of names of people that wanted to get a phone and I called the agency, ad agency up and I said, hey, would you guys be interested in like 1,250 names of people ready to buy phones? And they said, no. And so then I called Motorola and said, I got 1,250 names of people that want to buy mobile phones. Would you be interested? And they said, absolutely. How do we get them? I said, just ask your ad agency to buy the radio station for an 
ad buy. And so a few hours later, I got a phone call from the agency and said, you win, send the leads to this person, we'll buy your agency. And I, I just, I found that asking questions, probing, going around, going to your team, asking questions, just made us roar in the marketplace. I love it. Well, you've been listening to the Inspiring Growth Podcast, where we inspire growth with leaders and their organizations. If you'd like to know more about us, you can go to inspiringgrowth.biz. If you're a CEO or an executive director of an organization, you can take a free personalized growth assessment at inspiringgrowth.biz. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast from. It is a huge help to us. Thanks for being a part of today's broadcast. And remember, stay curious.